0: You're listening to the Canadian Investor Protection Fund podcast channel. Here we connect with industry leaders and experts in the financial sector.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome to the CIPF podcast series on leadership. I'm Donna Howard, Chair of the Board of Directors of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund, or as it's also known, CIPF.
0: It is my pleasure to be your host today.
1: Our topic is resilient leadership. And today we have with us Roseanne Rizal.
0: It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me.
1: Roseanne is retiring from her role as president and CEO at CIPF as of December 31st, 2022. She joined CIPF in 1990 and has served in the role of president and CEO since 1998. During her tenure as president and CEO, she has led the organization through eight member firm insolvencies. She also played an integral role in the evolution of the organization, including the advancement of initiatives that underpin CIPF's coverage policy and fund resource model. Under her leadership, she strengthened CIPF's regulatory and industry connections and oversaw the successful implementation of measures to enhance communication and engagement with investor member firms. More recently, Roseanne guided the organization through the unique challenges posed by the COVID-19 pandemic and facilitated preparation for CIPF's transition to the new Investor Protection Fund. Welcome, Roseanne. It's wonderful to have you on this podcast.
0: Thank you. It's an interesting time for me, for sure. Well, let me
1: turn to a couple of questions. Reflecting back to when you first joined CIPF, can you describe those early days at CIPF?
0: Oh, my. Um The new CIPF started in 1990, and it was a restructure of a fund that had been in existence since 1969, actually. But the elements that were new were, it was the first time the fund had full-time staff, and it was the first time the fund had imposed limits on its coverage. So prior to that, the industry fund was basically coverage without limit. It was the creation of an industry that had been privately held for many, many years, and the members put the full faith of their capital behind their promise to protect individual clients. I'd say the industry evolved quite a bit in the uh, late 80s when the four pillars fell and firms became public and owned by other public companies. While we still have private firms, I think there's certainly been a a major impact by that change in the 80s. So the new coverage limits in 1990 were 250000 of which $60,000 could be cash. And that was to parallel the coverage offered by CDIC. So out of the gate, we were a very small staff. Our first CEO was Don Leslie. I was the first professional that he hired, and I hired a small team. and. At that time, we had five sponsoring self-regulatory organizations. Four stock exchanges were still active in member regulation, and the Investment Dealers Association. So one of the primary roles of CIPF was to ensure that all five SROs maintained very consistent approaches to regulation. So the fund had minimum standards, and basically was engaged in a process to make sure that the capital formula maintained liquidity in all our member firms. I'll stop there because that was, I'd say, a very big change and is a sort of brand new chapter in, in the role of, of CIPF. It's
1: interesting you started off by saying the new CIPF because we're heading into that new era where it's going to be a new CIPF once again. So, you've described some of the changes in the organization and a couple of changes with re- industry. Is there anything else you'd like to reflect on in terms of where we are now versus when you started in 1990?
0: I think the nature of the industry engagement has always been very high and it continues to be. And I know there's um, an incredible commitment made by people in the industry to um, engage in the formulation of the rules and and practices around the industry that they work in and that they, you know, commit to the investor protection fund for. I think that the evolution of the member regulation regime has been um, considerable. The exchanges merged and exited member regulation. The IDA spun off its industry association and became IROC and absorbed regulation services, which regulated this. stock markets. So there's been a huge degree of specialization on the regulatory and oversight side, but I think the constant is the commitment of the members to be engaged in the industry and to help formulate the rules that they live with.
1: Rosanne, maybe you can tell us about some of the greatest challenges that you faced at CIPF and maybe reflect on how that changed you as a leader going through those challenges.
0: I'd say from the outset, the transition into the role happened regrettably, because of the ill health of my predecessor. So it wasn't a planned succession in that regard. That being said, uh, it was a very interesting time in the industry in 1990. And I certainly could not have foreseen, after we'd had sort of seven quiet years without an insolvency, there had been one in 1991, that suddenly we would have four insolvencies in five years. And so there wasn't a whole lot of time to think about getting accustomed to the role of president and CEO, it was really more a lot of firefighting and fast decision-making and trying to uh, determine what resources that we had that we could bring to bear. So I'd say with respect to how it impacted me as a leader, I think it was very much a question of having to make the best decision I could make without complete information. I'd have to say in this role, you never have complete information. And then just, you know, not being shaken by, you know, all the things that were popping off at the same time, because I'd have to say that if everything can go wrong, it often does, and that's just the way the world. But remembering that you're part of an incredibly strong team, not only the staff at CIPF, but its board, and also the members and the regulators. So in that respect, although the problems sometimes seemed huge, it was also a good reminder about the phenomenal network and support that exists in the industry. Maybe as you
1: sit back on these final days, what would you consider would be your greatest successes or accomplishments as president and CEO?
0: I think there are two or three things that I would reflect on. One is I think, you know, Canadians should be very proud to have a fund that offers a level of coverage at a million dollars for any combination of cash and securities that is really without comparison in terms of its level. Um, I think it's quite generous and should offer a very high degree of confidence and security to investors. The second thing is that we've always tried to make sure that we use the best tools available to estimate risk. Um, And the introduction of a credit-based model some years ago has become an important tool, not only to determine what sort of resources we need to back our promise to pay our coverage limit, but also how to provide an incentive to members to de-risk or minimize risk with respect to how they organize their operations. And so we've done a fair bit of work there with members on the location of securities, how their securities are held, because we've learned that it gets pretty complicated when you start going beyond the borders of our country and, and our own domestic depository to retrieve securities in a bankruptcy. And I guess the last thing would be just the network of people I've had an opportunity to meet and work with, not only our staff and our boards, but the other domestic compensation funds in Canada and our international colleagues. I think that among the group, both domestically and internationally, it's been a very strong relationship in many cases, has become a friendship over the years, and always offers that opportunity when the need arises to pick up the phone and and ask if someone's had a similar experience or what they've done to address a particular problem. So I think that would certainly be something that stands uh, very vividly in my mind.
1: And that would apply to your domestic colleagues that also provide protection to investors as well. I think that's what I've seen working with you in terms of those relationships.
0: Yes, yeah, we, you know, we formally meet once a year in Canada. And I think that that puts an anchor date on the calendar to get together, you know, in a more organized way. But I think the things that I value in treasure is the ability to just pick up the phone and and call one of my colleagues. And again, you know, ask them if they've, had a particular experience or how they're approaching a particular issue. That's great.
1: It's a fairly specialized area, and I think it is hard to find peers. And so that's great, the international and domestic colleagues that you've developed over the years. So when you look ahead, what do you believe the financial industry direction will be in the next few years, and maybe how CIPF's role will evolve with that evolution?
0: I think there's no question that technology is having a huge impact on the industry. Not only the huge range of products, but I was listening to a panel the other day that was talking about technology having reached a stage where literally portfolios could be customized by individual, which could in time lead to sort of delayering the cost of having to have packaged products like mutual funds or cold funds or ETFs. So I thought that was fascinating. But I think on the flip side, and one of our former chairs had observed that no matter how much technology we have, it's still very much a relationship business. And I think clients look to their advisors in our industry, not just for investment recommendations, but for a much more holistic look at their financial plan, their family plan, everything from being organized with respect to their estates to perhaps you know transferring intergenerational wealth. So I think there's a huge degree of um, specialization that's available in our industry that can be brought to clients. But at the root of it all is a very strong and very personal relationship, and I think that will carry forward regardless of the technology. The technology will just be the facilitator that helps that happen.
1: It's interesting you've touched on technology, Roseanne, because I've seen the way you've maximized the benefit to the organization of of technology. While maintaining that personal touch and the relationships, you rely heavily on technology. Is there any special advice you would give to people that, that use technology to the extent that this organization does?
0: Well, I smile and say we're small but mighty, and we can only be that way because of technology. I think people are always surprised to hear that CIPF is... A single office with 26 people. And I don't think that we could be the size we are without using technology, both to you know, capture information about our member firms, but also to sort of think about the impact of potentially new products and services on the liquidity needs that we have. Obviously, I love technology. I think sometimes it's a blessing and a curse. We all get frustrated by it sometimes. But I think it's a wonderful tool and, and certainly encourage its maximum use uh, to the extent that it can be done. I think for me to the technology aside or technology included, the things that I take away from having worked in this industry for the time I have in, in different roles, both on the audit side, the regulatory side, the member side, now the investor protection side, is it's so important just to be endlessly curious. It's such a great industry and there's always something new popping. But secondly, to always have a healthy skepticism, you know, not to uh, be taken in by the latest shiny object or a new and exciting idea. And I guess, regrettably, we see a bit too much of that lately in the press. But I think that it's that balance of curiosity and skepticism that's very important in our role.
1: Well, as your term comes to an end in one sense, and I'm sure it's new beginnings in another, What words of advice would you pass on to your successor and your other colleagues at CIPF before you go?
0: I think an extension of the comments that I made with respect to being endlessly curious, it's an ongoing learning process. I don't think anyone can ever say that they've got their arms around the whole thing. And to remember that you're supported by and and to leverage the tools, the opportunities that come from being supported by a very robust board of directors, very strong staff, strong regulators who are really there to, um, you know, help us through some of these journeys, in particular in this case, the one where we're um, merging two compensation funds. And um, they certainly provide quite a structure for us to help support that initiative. Although it can seem sometimes like it's a lonely journey, it certainly isn't. There's a lot of people making the same one And it's always a great opportunity to exchange ideas and provide that mutual support.
1: Well, thanks, Roseanne. It has been a pleasure speaking with you today, as always. Thank you again for joining me on this podcast and for offering your valuable insights to our listeners.
0: Thank you very much. I've appreciated the opportunity to be with you today.
1: Well, we can't let you go without extending our deep appreciation for your dedication and years of service to CIPF. You've played a vital role in shaping CIPF as to what it is today. And it has been a great honor for me to work with you both now during this podcast, but also over the past six years while I've been working with you. And I love this opportunity to be able to reflect back on your career through this podcast. And that will conclude today's podcast. I'd like to thank our listeners for their time and hope that they found this discussion interesting. We always welcome your comments and the best way to reach us is through our website. Finally, we invite you to listen to CIPF's other podcasts available on CIPF's website and podcast channels, or to read through the transcripts, which are available in both English and French on our website. Thank you for joining us, and goodbye for now.
0: Please subscribe to our podcast and follow us on social media to stay up to date on all CIPF podcasts. More information about the speakers and what we discussed today can be found in the show notes. Please note that this podcast is for informational
1: purposes only and is not intended to constitute advice of any kind. Thank you for listening.